this is technically episode number 47 of the Don't Start a Band podcast. Uh, I didn't say that in the last episode that was uh, the intro for this new segment, but that was episode number 46. This is episode number 47 of the Don't Start a Band podcast, but it is also the first official episode of the new segment, Why Them? But first, here's a little something I made. Some might call it an ad, some might call it a promo tool, uh, but it's definitely not a sponsor. What's up, everybody? This is Jake Cook, host of the Don't Start a Band podcast, but more importantly, Jake Cook of the Backseaters, and I'm here to tell you that we just dropped our brand new EP called the Fortune Teller EP. It's four mostly brand new songs that are going to, uh, how do you say, rock your world. We got some slow songs, we got some faster songs. On this EP, you're gonna understand why people call us indie rock, pop rock, pop punk, they try and put us into all these titles, but you know what? We just are the backseaters. That's what we are. And you can find the Fortune Teller EP on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, anywhere you go for music, you're going to find the Fortune Teller EP. Four new songs you're going to love. Make sure you check out the music video for Gypsy. And uh, yeah, go stream the shit out of this EP. Thanks. Okay, so how many people at the beginning of that thought that I was going to say, I'm Jake Cook of the Don't Start a Band podcast, and you're watching Disney Channel. I definitely didn't realize that until I heard it just now um, after doing the intro. But regardless, we do have a new EP out. It's called the Fortune Teller EP. Uh, please go check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, uh, wherever you find all your music stuff. But I'm uh, very excited to start the first episode of the new Why Them segment. And the first band slash artist slash whatever I'm going to be talking about in this segment is the band Oasis. I think... They might be my new favorite band. For a long time, out of obligation, I had Blink-182 at the top of the list. And then for a long time, I think I kept the Gaslight Anthem at the top of the list. Um, And I mean, don't get me wrong, I still love the Gaslight Anthem. But uh, something about where I'm at in my life and, uh, you know, whatever I have going on, says oasis is number one yeah so episode number 47 of the don't start a band podcast first official episode of why them featuring oasis cue the music How 
how many of you are worried that I'm going to be like some of the annoying fucking podcasts and put the ad for my new EP throughout this whole episode? Well, I can tell you I'm not going to fucking do that because I hate it when I'm listening to a podcast episode. I'm enjoying it. I'm into the story or into the interview. And then some fucking bogus ad comes on for something that I'm definitely not interested in, uh, which wouldn't be the case here because clearly everybody wants to listen to the Fortune Teller EP. Um, but yeah, a stupid ad comes comes on. And it just uh, kills the whole vibe. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Oasis. And why them? When I say, you know what, Oasis, uh, I think they're my favorite band. And people go, ugh, why them? Uh, Well, let's just start with the shit I get for liking Oasis. The main reason why people say, why them? A big one that I've heard from people is that it's Liam's voice. Uh, Liam Gallagher is the lead singer. And some people just don't like his voice. And that's perfectly okay. There's tons of artists that I don't like their voice. And, uh, you know, people that love them don't have to explain that to me. So, yeah, Liam's voice uh, being annoying is one thing. Uh, People have said that the guitars are too crunchy and there's too much treble in their music, which I get it. And their third album, Be Here Now, is really where you hear that the most. Uh, Don't get me wrong. There's some amazing songs on that album, but I would agree it's a little uh, trebly, if you will. And the funny thing is I actually uh, learned a little fun fact in why uh, the mixing on that album might be a little off. And uh, they... They might have been dabbling in the booger sugar a little bit. And uh, what that does, uh, you know, when you do cocaine, I don't know if it's excessive amounts or just doing it in general, but it, I heard it lays down the uh, the hairs in your ears that sense vibration. It kind of fucks with your ability to uh, hear intricacies like treble and bass and mids and all that shit so it's just a theory i have um but even noel gallagher uh guitar player brother of liam has said that the sound on that album and the wonkiness might have a little bit to do with the fact that they were doing a little too much cocaine and my personal favorite reason why people say that they're not a fan of oasis is they say uh well i don't like that song wonderwall and here's the thing i would say that wonderwall is probably the worst representation of their whole catalog because at the end of the day they're a fucking rock and roll band and most of their songs are rock and roll or pop rock and Do they have acoustic numbers? Yes. Do they have amazing acoustic ballads with amazing melodies called Wonderwall? Abso-fucking-lutely. 
But I would say that Wonderwall is not the best representation of their whole catalog. Um, so let's get into the history of Oasis. They hail from Manchester, England, and uh, the story basically revolves around brothers Noel and Liam Gallagher. Uh, they grew up in a working class situation. Noel was always interested in music, but never really thought to uh, be in a band. Like he played guitar and shit, and uh, was actually a roadie for a band called the Inspiral Carpets. Um, so he was, you know, school wasn't his thing. He took off to go be a roadie. And uh, Liam, the lead singer, uh, who's five years younger than Noel, was kind of just a little troublemaker. And uh, school wasn't his thing either. And that's something they actually poke fun at throughout the history of Oasis. But uh, he also was interested in music throughout his childhood. And he claims that uh, after getting in a fight when I think he was in high school, he gets in a fight with some kids from a, a neighboring school, gets hit in the head with a hammer, and then after that decided that he wanted to be in a band and that he wanted to play music and whatnot. And in their documentary, Supersonic, he actually uh, says that he should thank the kid for beating the music into him. But he starts a band, calls it Oasis. Uh, Brother Noel comes home from tour with the In Spiral Carpets, goes to see his brother's band at some shitty bar gig, and, uh, you know, he openly admits that they were good, but uh, they needed better songs. And Noel, uh, you know, was a better songwriter, and it's a little unclear on whether or not he was asked to join the band or whether he asked to join the band, but... Regardless, he joined the band, started writing the songs. They put out their first album in 1994 on Creation Records called Definitely Maybe. And it had a decent bit of it, uh, success. Um, you know, the popular songs on there are Rock and Roll Star, Live Forever, Supersonic, um, trying to think, Cigarettes and Alcohol. Uh, you know, it's a it's a pretty good album, but 1995 rolls around and they put out What's the Story, Morning Glory, and that's the album that really shoots them into the stratosphere. Um, that's the album that has Wonderwall, uh, Champagne Supernova, uh, Don't Look Back in Anger, which is one of my personal favorite Oasis songs. And uh, the whole album, just the way it's put together, all the songs on it, it's just uh, what the kids would call nowadays a banger. Um, it's just an amazing album. And obviously due to uh, Wonderwall around the world, basically, um, that shot them into that next tier, uh, you know, platinum selling album, success, playing stadiums, um, and yeah, they just, from there, they blew up. Uh, that was probably their biggest album ever, but um, they blew up and they kind of stayed there. They were more 
popular in the UK. Um, they had some success in America as well. They played Red Rocks, uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah. And then they broke up in 2009. Uh, the brothers always had their little tiffs and they had their little breaks and whatnot throughout the history of Oasis, but uh, it all came to a head in 2009 in Paris and Noel Gallagher uh, left the festival that they were going to play before they played. And uh, yeah, and the rest is history and they haven't said a word to each other since. So I guess it is what it is and us dreamers can dream about the day that they get back together and they tour the world and you know even if they're not friends or whatever just do it for the kids okay I'm I might be 27 but I'm still a kid okay so uh yeah that's the history of Oasis and uh now I'm going to talk about kind of why they were loved in their day and I think uh big part of it was their charisma. Some might call it ego. Uh, me, you know, being a fan of the band and not really wanting to say anything too disparaging, I would call it charisma. Um, they, they believed in what they were doing and they, uh, believed in their songs, just the whole attitude around them. Like they knew that they had something special and they believed that, it was going to be huge and in their words uh the biggest band in the world and uh you know obviously people loved the hits they love wonderwall don't look back in anger and i think something that appealed to so many people is the fact that they were working class kids you know they didn't have a lot growing up and they kind of just made the most of their situation and they went from working class to fucking pop stars. And, uh, you know, especially in the 90s. That's when, you know, from... Uh, I think they started the band in 91 or 92. Uh, I think it was 92. And then by 95, they were playing fucking stadiums worldwide. And they were one of the biggest bands on the planet, you know? And, you know, that was at the time when grunge was going on and uh you know hair metal was kind of dying off and whatnot and brit pop wasn't a huge thing but at that time i guess they they kind of saw a little niche and snuck in there and uh you know it really doesn't have much more to do with uh than the songs you know people love the music they love their attitude and, uh, you know, I could, I could see how it could put some people off, uh, seeing somebody on TV or whatever saying we're the best band in the world. And Noel Gallagher said, uh, uh, we are the best band. We write the best songs. We have the best albums. And, uh, in their, uh, VH1 behind the music, Noel Gallagher actually says, if you go around telling people that you're the best band in the world, 50% of them are going to believe you. And I think uh, 
you know, call it ego, call it what you will, but I think that's genius marketing because, you know, if you can get 50% of all the people you tell uh, that you're the biggest band in the world, if you can get 50% of those people to at least check out your music and maybe fall in love with it, then uh, I think that's a pretty pretty fair trade. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the basis of why they were loved, especially in the 90s, but throughout their whole career. Um, and they were just, uh, the last thing I'm going to say is they were just a good live band. Obviously, I never got to see them, but I've watched a million live videos from 94 all the way up to 2009. And, uh, you know, for the most part, especially in the early days, they fucking killed every show. And that obviously says something, too. So to wrap up why they were loved, uh, their charisma the success story working class to pop stars um killed it live and uh you know they told people that they were the best band in the world so how could you not love the best band in the world turn the page of my notes um all right so let's talk about what they did right and how it's kind of applicable and how it could be used today. Um, the number one thing, and I've used this example with my band and with people that I've talked to about playing in a band and playing music, is they practiced five to six nights a week. Now, most people are going to say, well, don't you think that's a bit excessive? Maybe. But here's the thing. You practice five to six nights a week, you're going to get pretty fucking good. And, uh, you know, it's going to show. And especially at a time when it wasn't, everything wasn't really about content or music videos or, uh, well, I guess there was music videos, but like YouTube, you know, there wasn't YouTube and all that shit. Uh, you had to be a good fucking live band. Especially when you were an opening band, you know, you wanted to win over the crowd and what have you. Um, but yeah, practicing five to six nights a week, you're going to get pretty fucking good at your songs. And I mean, th- it, it isn't how they did it. Uh, Noel Gallagher basically wrote all the songs on his own by himself. Um, but inevitably, if you practice five to six nights a week... You get everybody in a room that often, uh, shit's going to happen. You know, songs are going to get written and ideas are going to flow because you're going to play the same songs over and over and over again. And those songs are going to get pretty fucking good. And sometimes uh, what you do or what bands will do is you play the song so many times that eventually you know you start playing it in different styles playing it at different tempos and uh you know all in all you just get fucking good so practicing five to six nights a week definitely worked in their favor and i know it's a pandemic and i know that's uh you know i'm not totally advising it or whatever uh because that's the smart thing for me to do is to not advise that. But 
Um, I get that it is a pandemic, and if you're looking to start a band, this is definitely not an easy time to be doing that. But uh, we'll just say for normal times or non-pandemic times, practicing uh, often and really uh, having good intention with your practice uh, will make you make you a better band. And what I mean by having good intention with your practice is you can get in the same room five to six nights a week, but if you're just fucking dinking around and, um, well, okay, it's okay to dink around. It's okay to talk and shoot the shit, but when you get together and you're practicing and you're playing the songs, the one thing you got to remember, whether it's the third time you played this song or the 300th time is you're working. You're putting in work to be the fucking best. And like, that's one thing that rolls through my mind every time I practice with the backseaters is, you know, I want to be the best person to play these songs. I wrote them, but I mean, I'd be a liar if I said that I hadn't seen some covers on YouTube or some people cover songs that are 10 times better than the original. And maybe it's my ego. I don't know, but I don't want anybody getting on stage or making a video playing my fucking songs better than me. Don't get me wrong. If you can play them better than me, you want to make a YouTube video, free promotion for me, okay? Fucking uh, knock yourself out. I... Uh, I really want you to do a cover of our songs. But back to the main point, when the backseaters get together and practice, I say to myself every time, I'm going to play these songs. I'm going to mean it and I'm going to make it the best I can possibly make it. And, you know, that's that. I don't half-ass it because if you half-ass practice, then you half-ass your shows or you half-ass practice and then you get to the shows and you're like, fuck, I really feel like I'm not fucking prepared. And that's a shitty feeling, man. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't really felt that from not taking practice seriously, but I have felt that from being under practice. So, you know, five to six nights a week was Oasis, but, uh, I don't think, it's too much to ask to at least, at the very least, practice once a week. Uh, if it were up to me, I'd do three times a week, you know. Um, but also, you know, hard work. And I know that's a generic thing to say, uh, but, or I guess not generic, cliche. But it's cliche for a reason, and it's because... Uh, you know, if you put in the work, shit fucking happens. Whether you're a musician, uh, you know, a solo artist, a band, an artist artist, like painting artist, or, uh, you know, whether you're a low-level employee at an insurance company, you know, you put in the hard work, you're going to go somewhere. And if you slack the fuck off, then you're going to stay right where you're at. And, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure and discomfort of seeing 
the effects of both of those scenarios, you know, working hard, playing shows, putting in the work. Um, you know, I've seen the positives of that and I've seen the negative side of that when, um, I'm not doing all that I could to make my band the biggest band on earth. And I think everybody kind of goes through that and something that I've definitely dealt with, with this pandemic is, uh, you know, we just released our new EP, but the, the fact of the matter is we had that shit recorded and basically finished, uh, back in April, May. Um, I mean, that's when the songs were tracked and everything, but, uh, you know, I was still holding on to hope that the, you know, virus was going to go away and we were going to get to release everything the way that we had always done it with a release show and you know doing everything that way so I think subconsciously I was just holding on to that hope that uh shit was going to get back to normal and then finally realized that uh you know we were going to be in this for a while and that the songs were fucking good and they needed to come out um so yeah I dealt with you know the backseaters and music are, uh, you know, some of the most important things in my life. And I'll always say that, but I think sometimes even when you love something, whether it's, uh, you know, your craft or sometimes in relationships, when you love something, sometimes you get a little complacent and you take it for granted and you don't, realize what you have and I know that's cliche after cliche after cliche but uh, you know you got to work hard for what you love and what you want as cliche as it might be Um, you know another thing they did right is they played tons of shows all over Um, they did a lot of fucking driving back in the day well okay so funny story Nolan Liam didn't do any driving because to this day, neither one of them have a driver's license. And Noel Gallagher, I think, is 53, which would make Liam Gallagher 48. And uh, they both own cars, but they both have never had a driver's license. Um, But regardless of that, they played tons of shows all over. And I would imagine they probably accepted 90% of the shows they were offered in the beginning, which is, you know, that's an ideal thing to do. You do want to play a fuck ton of shows, especially when you're starting out. You need to say yes to every fucking show that comes your way, even if it's at a place called Bar Bar and, uh, you know, it's a little sketchy uh because the thing about those sketchy shows is sometimes they're the fucking best you know sometimes there's going to be nobody in that room sometimes there's going to be a hundred people in that room and you'll be like what the fuck but uh you know all it takes is one person to see you love your music and go tell somebody about it and i know people say that all the time but it's it's true 
you know, we've we've definitely seen it happen a couple times where uh, one stranger has come up to us said they really liked our music and then the next time they came to a show they brought two more people so i mean this shit happens um and, but if if you're not playing shows and you're not putting yourself out there then how is anybody gonna see you so you know a big thing accept all the fucking shows that come your way especially in the beginning now once you get to a certain point um you know, I'm not saying like platinum selling or the biggest thing in your hometown, but when you do develop a following and especially especially when you're playing bigger shows, uh, you definitely want to put some space in between the shows that you're playing because, you know, you're going to go to sell tickets and people are going to be like, dude, I saw you like three weeks ago or two weeks ago. I know what you're going to play. You guys did a great job, but I'm not about to drop 12 more dollars to come see you at a different venue. Um, so putting putting space in between shows definitely helps. And Oasis did that uh, maybe, well, they definitely didn't do it on purpose, but I think you know when they would take their little breaks and Nolan and Liam would have their little fights, uh, that definitely created some hype because people would be wondering like, oh, are they broken up? Are they getting back together? And then all of a sudden, bam, here's a new album, new world tour. We're getting out there and then people would be fucking stoked. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you need to put on a fucking show and make it seem like your band could blow up at any moment. And I don't mean blow up as in get super famous and sell tons of records. I mean blow up as in fucking nuclear mushroom cloud, which is what uh, Oasis did a handful of times. And, you know, it's kind of like... It's probably like how Rolling Stones fans feel, you know, when the Rolling Stones go out on tour, people are like, and I don't know how many more trips around the sun these guys are going to make. So we better go fucking see him. Um, and people felt that way a little bit about Noel and Liam, uh, probably in the same way in the nineties when they were doing shit loads of drugs. Uh, but also, you know, throughout their whole career, people probably said, well, you know, they might fucking break up for real next time. So let's go see him. Um, so I guess that kind of plays into what I was saying with the whole, you know, putting space in between shows, um, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious on purpose, not on purpose. Uh, so Moral of this story is play every show you get offered when you're first starting out. And then when you have a little bit of a following, people want to come see you, maybe put a little space in between your shows, you know, build that hype. Uh, so to go over the bullet points, the things they did right that are applicable today, um, practicing practice 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 it's fucking cliche but practice makes perfect baby and uh you know putting in hard work really getting the world word out there um you know practice is hard work but also 
you know, nowadays putting in the hard work is making sure that you're posting every day on social media or, you know, as often as possible, putting out new material, whether that be new music, new videos, pictures, what have you, um, you know, that shit's hard work. And I know people are probably going to argue with me and say, well, you're just fucking posting something on social media from your phone. Like how hard could it be? You take a picture and upload it, but it's, you know, it can be that simple, but sometimes it's not that simple. You know, music video is a lot of work. Uh, big shout out to Colton for doing the gypsy music video. Um, but yeah, you got to post often, but you also got to be a little methodical about it and, uh, <clears throat> you know, really uh, be mindful of what you're putting out there and uh, how you're promoting your shit. And then starting out, play a ton of shows. Once you get a little bit bigger, put a little space between the shows. Um, and now, uh, oh, and I guess, you know, one other thing that they did right. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, one other thing that they did right that I think could be applicable today is uh, being rock stars. And I know that word rock star kind of has a negative con connotation and some people have perverted it a little bit, um, mainly you know, rock stars themselves, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, they were rock stars and they had that cool factor, which, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of nowadays. And, um, you know, I think, I think we could use, we could use that nowadays because there's a fine line between modesty and, uh, just really not believing in yourself. So it goes like not believing in yourself and like it looks like modesty, but really like you don't believe in yourself. Then there's modesty and then there's false modesty where people are like, oh, it's not that great just because they want to hear fucking compliments, which is also kind of a bullshit tactic. Um, and, you know, instead of going false modesty, just come right out and say, yeah, this is a good fucking record. There's good songs on here and uh, we're the best band in the world. You know, having that cool factor, that rock star factor, uh, you don't see that a lot with rock bands these days. But you do see it with uh, the new, yeah, newer like pop stars and rap artists, uh, I don't think they call them SoundCloud rappers anymore, but you know who I'm talking about, the uh, Lil Uzi Vert and uh, Juice World, rest in peace. Um, you know, all those guys, those are the new fucking rock stars. They dress like it, they look like it, they kind of act like it, um, but they 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 act like rock stars in a hip hop genre, but I think we need rock stars in the rock genre. And I mean, altogether, uh, my personal opinion, you know, we need to bring rock back and, you know, 
shout out and thanks to uh, people like MGK, uh, Post Malone. Those guys are they're kind of uh, putting rock back on the map and opening up, uh, you know, rock music, pop rock music to the younger generations of today. Um, so yeah, those guys are doing it. So I think, I think the door to the market is open and, uh, motherfuckers just need to start stepping through it because if we can bring it back, then, uh, the world will be a better place, you know? Um, but now I'm going to end this episode with why I personally love Oasis and I'm not going to get too much into it because I've already talked about it a lot, but I love their charisma. I'm drawn to it. And I think I've been drawn to it ever since I started watching interviews with them and watching their live videos is, you know, it's, uh, it gets me hyped to see that charisma and to see that going on. Cause you know, they're not little emo guys trying to hide themselves and they're not quiet, modest guys. Like they're loud, they're boisterous. They believe in themselves and the music and they're fucking out to conquer the world. And that's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's what I want to be. I want to fucking conquer the world. I want to be the biggest rock star in the world. I mean, any rock band who says differently, if they're like, oh, I just want to make an honest living with my band and yada, yada, yada. Bullshit, okay? If somebody came along and was like, do you want to make an honest, modest living or do you want to be the biggest fucking rock band in the world? You're going to take biggest fucking rock band in the world. Like, I don't care who you are, you're going to take that, especially if, you know, if you get to do it on your own terms, you're going to fucking take that. So definitely their charisma, uh, just the melodies and the, uh, the, the songwriting in general is, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there's certain music that just hits the right pleasure centers in your brain and, for some reason, Oasis does that for me. And I think a lot of, especially a lot of their earlier songs are in those major keys and they're just solid songs. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not overly complicated, but they're not, uh, you know, super duper uninterestingly simple, but it's just, it's good music that you can just sit back and enjoy and you don't have to like really analyze the lyrics and pick it apart and you don't, you know, a lot of people and like beginner guitarists can pick up a guitar and play an Oasis song. And if you decide to do that, you can learn to play Wonderwall, but let me just let you know, uh, people are going to give you the shit for that. So instead of learning Wonderwall, uh, maybe learn Live Forever. You know, just another option. But uh, yeah, their melodies and their songwriting. And I just enjoy that they're fucking loud. I enjoy that they're a rock band. And 
uh, for a long time, all I listened to was pop punk and hardcore. And, you know, I get that that's loud music, but Oasis is loud rock and roll, you know? And even within their loud rock and roll music, you know, there's some messages in their lyrics. And I know I just said, you know, you don't have to overanalyze the lyrics, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, there's simple ones. And one of my favorite examples is in, uh, there's an interview that Noel Gallagher, well, he says it in a couple interviews, but uh, he's talking about don't look back in anger. And he's talking about kind of what it means. And uh, he said that he kind of, you know, picture this lady who's looking back on her life and uh, she has no regrets. You know, a lot of she went through a lot of shit and things happened in her life. But as she looks back, you know, she doesn't she doesn't regret anything or feel bad about, you know, anything that happened. Um, so don't look back in anger. And then, uh, you know, the story behind Talk Tonight is fascinating because oasis was on their first u.s tour um they played a terrible gig at the whiskey go-go in california and noel gallagher took off to now there's there's differing stories there's some stories that say he went to san francisco or he met the girl in san francisco and he went to las vegas little unclear but anyway uh he left the band and he went to go spend time with this girl and he was just kind of lost because here he had this band he was stoked on it but uh she just kind of seemed like it was falling apart so he went away for a little while and uh you know uh he wrote talk tonight about that experience um and i mean the the first couple of lyrics in the in the chorus are, uh, I want to talk tonight until the morning light about how you saved my life. And I think that's just beautiful, you know, and, uh, don't look back in anger, talk tonight and acquiesce. How could we not talk about acquiesce? First of all, it was a B side and, uh, you know, it was written around the same time as, uh, I think as Talk Tonight, but also as Roll With It, which did make it on to What's the Story Morning Glory. But uh, yeah, Acquiesce was written as a B-side, but it easily could have been a single for What's the Story Morning Glory because it's an amazing song. It's one of the first times you hear uh, Liam and Noel Gallagher in the same in the same song. Liam sings the first verse. Noel sings, or uh, I guess Liam sings both verses, and Noel sings the choruses. And the chorus is, um, uh, "Because we need each other, we believe in one another, and I know we're gonna uncover what's sleeping in our souls." Um, but just that message and how punchy the chorus is, the we need each other, we believe in each other. You know, that fucking message is gold. And then obviously Live Forever, uh, story about that that I've heard 
in a few interviews is uh, Noel Gallagher is talking about uh, how Nirvana had just put out a song called I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. And he did not write it as um, he did not write Live Forever as like a diss track or a reply to the Nirvana song. Uh, but his his exact words when he is talking about I hate myself and I want to die is uh, he said, you know, I heard that song and I was like, no, I'm not having none of that. And so they wrote this song called Live Forever. And I think it's kind of beautiful that he wrote it when he had no money. He was, you know, in that lower class. But, uh, uh, you know, they just... They believed in what they were doing. They were stoked on it, and they they wanted to live. And I think that's something especially important for today, and I know I've talked about it, but, like, emo music, it has its place. Like, it's one genre, and I kind of feel like, and this is just my personal opinion, it should stay in that genre, but it's kind of broken through into the pop sector, and, uh, you know mental illness awareness is a very positive thing it's 100 percent positive but i do feel like there's an overemphasis on uh you know depression songs these days and especially you know some of the soundcloud rap i've heard they a lot of them talk about uh you know taking a bunch of pills and dying or uh you know killing themselves whatever and uh like i said you know mental health awareness is 100 percent positive and needs to be in the world but i don't believe that that's the only thing that people need to be listening to because there's music that needs to be relatable but there also needs to be Uh, music or within the same song it needs to say that things are going to get better things are going to be okay and you're not hearing a lot of that these days and uh, I think that's you know that's where live forever comes into place because uh, it kind of just puts shit in perspective and uh, you know makes you makes you want to live and uh you know they they do have their uh poetic slash interesting lyrics that i love and uh one of my favorite lyrics just because i think it's it's very creative um how they went about it is in the title track off of what's the story morning glory um it's just called morning glory but the lyric is all your dreams are made when you're chained to the mirror and the razor blade. Uh, today is the day that all the world will see. And just the way that's said, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm doing cocaine and I'm trying to be a rock star. No, he says, all your dreams are made when you're chained to the mirror and the razor blade. You know, it's just the way he went about saying that is just I call it poetic but I also call it creative and uh you know the song is just about 
being a fucking rock star, but it's not like he came out, said the exact drug and how he does it and yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, he kind of went about it in a uh, creative way. And then uh, also to reference, don't look back in anger again. Um, there's a part in the song, it's it's the pre-chorus uh, where it says... I'm going to start a revolution from my bed because you said the dreams I had went to my head. And uh, I I just think that's creative because, and I didn't really think too much about it um, until I heard an interview where Noel was talking about that lyric. And apparently it was a quote that John Lennon had said. Um, you know, he said something about, you know, having... Uh, cause you said the dreams I had went to my head or whatever. Um, but, uh, then it all kind of like made sense. You know, the opening piano chords sound a lot like imagine. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that they're the same chords. Um, but, uh, yeah, that sounds like imagine, and then start a revolution from my bed. I mean, there's that whole uh, period of time where uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono were uh, in bed as like a a protest or some side of sort of movement. I don't know the official story behind it. Uh, if you do want to find out the story, I highly suggest watching the documentary Above Us Only Sky. Um, it's kind of about uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and it's kind of interesting because it talks about, um, and you know, I think it's really positive that it it talks about the fact that Yoko Ono was actually a very important player in the making of, um, you know, Imagine and that whole album. Uh, so yeah. Definitely check out Above Us Only Sky on Netflix. Uh, but yeah, gonna start a revolution from my bed. Oh, because you said the brains I had went to my head. That's the lyric. I'm sorry, I fucked that up. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the poetic nature of that. And then uh, the other one I had written down is from their song, Some Might Say. Um, the lyric is, some might say you don't believe in heaven, go tell it to the man who lives in hell. And I just think, you know, it's fucking poetic lyrics. And that's, that's another thing we're kind of missing these days is, uh, you know, not just coming out and saying it, you know, you have bands like the front bottoms, which I do love the front bottoms, but everything is spelled out word for word for you you know there's not a whole lot of intricacies and uh you know roundabout ways of saying things you know the the lyrics and everything is very poetic with oasis and that's something i've always enjoyed i mean it's a big part of why i love the gaslight anthem and bob dylan um tom petty uh i would do an episode on tom petty but that's one that I don't get a lot of shit on and I'm not surprised because, uh, Tom Petty is amazing. 
So, uh, you know, what I, what I take away from Oasis is basically everything that I've already stated. The, I mean, personally for me, the charisma, uh, the creativity of the songwriting and, uh, you know, just having something that I can just listen to and I can just enjoy it. I can enjoy it for what it is. I have no expectations. I just, I put on the song and I feel it. I don't think too hard about it. I'm not, you know, it just, it hits in the right way that it feels good. I either get hype or it, you know, it just, it does all the right things to me. So if somebody says, why them? The fucking, the music, the songwriting, the lyrics, the melodies, the charisma, all of that. That is why I love Oasis. And uh, some suggested songs, if I've piqued your interest, um, you know, I'm going to end it with some suggested songs that I have for you and, uh, you know, some videos. Uh, Definitely check out the music video for Don't Look Back in Anger because that is my favorite song. Um, And definitely check out the song. Check out Live Forever. Um, I also really love their song Half the World Away. Uh, I believe, and I know James from the Oasis podcast will call me out on this. Um, I believe that was a track on definitely maybe, uh, it might've been a B side. Uh, I'm going to try and look it up and talk at the same time. Um, but yeah, half the world away. Also another amazing song. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I do believe it's a B side. Um, don't look back in anger live forever, half the world away, acquiesce, please, for the love of all things musical, check out Acquiesce, also one of my favorite songs. And then uh, if you want to, you know, see some videos, uh, definitely check out their documentary, Supersonic. Um, It's just the way, the whole way it was put together is so creative, and it basically talks about the very beginning of, you know, the Gallagher's and Oasis. And it has it go all the way up to um, their famous gigs at Nebworth in 96, I believe. Um, You know, I can find that real quick. Um... But yeah, it it goes from the very beginning all the way up to their, you know, ginormous gigs at Nebworth Park. Oh, of course, it doesn't say the date on here. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Supersonic, the documentary. And if you want to watch uh, a live concert, some live videos, uh, check out their... Oasis live at Main Road. I think it's also in 96, 95, 96. Um, personally, I love the first night set 
but the second night also a great one um so yeah video wise supersonic live at main road and then just fucking watch all their music videos and fall in love with oasis uh because they're the best band in the world according to them um I don't know that they're the best band in the world, but I know that I love them. And these are all the reasons when somebody asks me, when I say, I love Oasis, and they go, ugh, why them? This, all these reasons, all this fucking talking that I just did, that is why them. That's why I love Oasis. Make sure you guys uh, subscribe to the podcast. It really helps me out. Uh, and leave a review. Tell me what you think of this new segment. Tell me what you think of the whole podcast. Um, it really helps me out. Apparently, it boosts you, uh, you know, to the top of some playlists and kind of puts the podcast in front of more people. And I would greatly appreciate that because uh, I enjoy doing this. And I'm going to keep doing it regardless. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. It'd be cool if there was a fuck ton of people who are listening to the podcast. So subscribe, uh, give me a five-star rating, leave a review, and uh, yeah, I think that's basically it. Next episode on Why Them, we're going to get into The Grateful Dead. That's right, I'm going to tell everybody why when I say Oh, man, I love the Grateful Dead, and people go, ugh, why them? I'm going to tell you exactly why them. This is Don't Start a Band Podcast, episode number 47, Why Them, Oasis. Thank you all for listening.